0: can you hear me? Like I changed mics and is everything. Am okay.
1: You sound good, but there's a, you're there, but there's a major delay and it looks like your looks like your camera's all fucked up.
0: Yeah. Our internet's been acting a fool. Oh yeah. You're, you're um, major this figure delay up it's like... out in a minute, but I was going to say, it's like watching a Godzilla movie. <sighs>
1: Hold on, but we're here. Everyone's in the group. Got our, our our crew of individuals who's always there. Our faithful friends. I love it. So uh I guess we'll say that this is Snakes and Snogies episode eighty. It's our eightieth episode. It's crazy. And uh, we could not do this show without the fine people, i.e. Gendra, of Puget Sound Pythons. So big shout out to them for keeping the show going. Uh, they say it's currently a 108 degrees Fahrenheit at Puget Sound Pythons. That is uh, atrocious. So Godspeed to to uh, Gendra. But yeah, episode 80, it's crazy. You know, I, I think about it like at least once a week. It's, it's got to be it's you can't say it's 80 weeks because it's, it's definitely over. There's, you know, we, we skip one for Christmas. We skipped one when we were in Texas. So there's there's probably more weeks than that. But it's gnarly thinking we've been doing this. And, and all you awesome viewers, listeners, people partaking live and Chatting and commenting, it's amazing. It's, it's why we do it. We love you guys. And uh, while Justin uh, fills with his equipment, I will say that uh, really nothing new on my front. I did, however, acquire a pair of new snakes, Well, new, new to me. Um, <clears throat> I got my first ever pair of subox. And it's not just my sub box. Um, my uh, girlfriend, Anna Maria, she showed a great interest in them. And then we had, hello. you know, hello. We had Dusty Rose come on the show sometime back and we all owned the complete sub book. And uh, it was only a matter of time and, and a pair of them fell into my lap and they're, uh, they're Davis County and they're absolutely gorgeous. They're supposed to be head for silver, who knows? And I was told that they come from a schoolhouse road, which to the best of my knowledge, as well as some other friends, there is no such thing as schoolhouse road. So I think the name might be confused with something else, Um, but the animals look great. And uh, it's supposed to be a point of girl I probed them. When I got them, it looks like it might actually be two girls, which I'm not gonna complain, but uh, the girlfriend loves them and that's all that matters. So it's awesome. Got my own sub box. And they're, they're set up simple setup for right now, um, simply because uh, I wanna monitor, make sure there's no bugs, make sure there's no parasites or anything like that, make sure they're not you know pooping purple or anything. And uh, I think in the time, when the time comes to really like set them up, I think I'm gonna do like four foot enclosures, one for each of them, and uh, do them, like on top of each other. And yeah, having seen their natural habitat that like did a few weeks back, I think I'm going to do, like, a foam rock wall and kind of do it up. And actually, you know, Justin and I took a ton of pictures of rock cuts in West Texas. So, I think I may do one of the backdropscom you know, adhesive backgrounds and then do rock wall around the picture. So, still got a bunch of ideas in my head. and uh, But, yeah, actually, I was going to show pictures of them. Um, but Justin is having technical difficulties. So, I'll, I'll keep the... Keep the talk going for now.
0: <laughs> I mean, is it any better? Like, is your oh yeah? Oh, okay.
1: No, no, you're you're back to normal. Your camera just looks hazy.
0: I know it's it's got some condensation because it heats up when I plug it in, and so it'll go. Away oh, in a few okay. So it's just going to take okay. a little while.
1: Yeah, but now you sound crystal clear, and your lips match your voice. God. so that works.
0: It's it's been raining all day, and CenturyLink apparently cannot function if there's water in the air. So. I'm extremely annoyed.
1: I get it. Well, Clinton says y'all's show is the highlight of his week. Thanks for putting out quality content that's always enjoyable. We appreciate it sincerely. You know, you guys are yeah. Why we Phil do this. is a little
0: choppy, but it's better than it was originally. I just I don't. To... I tried to move the modem into our room to clear up more counter space in our kitchen because. Phil, you've seen our kitchen. We don't have a ton of counter space. Yeah, I get it. And the modems are on one side of that counter, and we got an air fryer, and it just there's space that needs to be... I'm just all kinds of... Yeah, CenturyLink can't function, period. I'm, I'm amazed we've actually been this issue-free for so long. Um, so I'm, a, I'm just... I'm frazzled, and I'm annoyed with that, and then I'm annoyed with the fact that uh, this damn rack that has all my hatchlings in it cannot keep a snake inside of it. But...
1: Well, you got the shims. What happened now?
0: I don't know. Same snake thing that I found last night is now missing again.
1: So you have one baby corn get loose. You found it.
0: I had now three escapes, two from the from two snakes.
1: Okay. And they were all recovered, and now the first one you're, is gone again.
0: You're sounding all digitized. It's on your body. Let me yeah. see. I'm going to jump back in. Stay here. Yep, no problem.
1: Uh, Ryan Cox, shoot a message if you can hear me and see me crystal clear. Because everything looks good on my head. So, I don't know. But I mean, there's Nesmo, so who knows?
0: Anything? Hello? Oh, no. You sound good. You don't.
1: Do you want me to leave and come back?
0: Yeah, give it a shot. I want to set this modem on fire right now. Well, I switched back to this Behringer mic, too, instead of that. I noticed with THP, audio was a little rough, and I usually, it was my SM57 that I usually use. It sounds a little funky, like muddied. I haven't adjusted any of the settings on the board or anything like that, so I switched back to this Behringer. It's like $20 Behringer mic that's just out of this world good for the price. So, How about
1: now? Uh, good. How now, brown cow? And Ryan Cox, I will never be packed.
0: <laughs> good, good. Um, Yeah, this rack. So I wanted to start the show off by saying, invest decent money into your racks. Don't use stupid Craigslist homemade horse shit. Because I've had so many snakes get out of this rack that I'm so angry right now like i could i could hulk that shit into my front yard and just leave it there i don't even care like i'm i'm so annoyed with it at the moment
1: well now did they get out because you didn't have the shims or did they get out because the know. air holes are too big
0: the, it can't be the air holes because the air holes aren't they're they're small they're not even that big i'm they're they're, they're...
1: if and here we're going to talk about uh, snake misconceptions and in my personal observation if the snake can get its head through it can get its whole body through so hey shouldn't be the the case I know it shouldn't be the case but we'll we'll get into that later but
0: you'll find it, or or Hector will that's part of the problem is the damn cat is like am I going to find it before he does or am I going to be home when he finds it to at least stop him from maiming it uh
1: For it's sure. episode 80. We're having fun.
0: This is episode 80. What are you smoking?
1: I'm smoking a, a Connecticut, believe it or not, uh, that was recommended to me. It's a Villager or Viega, I guess if it's Hispanic. It's a culetar Connecticut cream. So I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see how this rolls. Nice. It smells good. The toasting smelled good too. So we'll see. What about you, bud?
0: Uh, Warp La Hacienda uh, mm. Cabinet Superior. So this is a very Cuban esque cigar. This is what I usually recommend to people who come in and are looking for Cubans. This is what I usually give them. has a very Cuban esque flavor. Uh, this size is more sort of true to the how a lot of Cuban cigars are, and it's really tasty for eight fifty. It's it's pretty hard to beat. Um, nice the band is there's something about some cigar bands that are just appetizing. I don't know what hundred percent. You know what I mean? 100%. It's like you see it and you're like, I I want it. I gotta put it in my mouth.
1: Um, anything with turquoise or robin's egg or yeah. Tiffany blue. I mean, like I'm Tiffany blue is my favorite color. So like. I gotta smoke it. I'll tell you what, though. First impressions of the Connecticut. Uh, it smells good. Uh, the tobacco is very it doesn't feel dry, but it smokes as if it's dry. Um, and there is no flavor at all. And I'm hoping that it maybe just needs to get jump started. Maybe
0: but this. Too.
1: Yeah. Mild. yeah, I think it might be too mild. It's like breathing air. So we'll see. Time will tell.
0: Yeah, Joe. Uh, oh, hold on. That sneeze. Oh, my God. This is just this is off to a rough start, buddy. It's all right. We're here. Trying We're doing us, it. Trying to zone it. The listeners um, understand. Lost my baby BRB (laughs) last week, and I found her under the fridge on Saturday. Yeah, so the the thing is, is what I'm going to have to start doing, like, night checks like it's freaking prison to make sure everyone's accounted for before I go to bed, because I just fed these babies Sunday. Was it Sunday? It was. Yeah. No, it was Saturday night, I think. I don't remember Saturday or Sunday, and everyone was seemed to be there. But it's uh, this rack is just. I put the shims in there now. I have the door sweep, so everyone knows I have a door sweep now. So you get out there, at least now contained. Right. Uh, the way it should be.
1: And those, and those shims work like a son of a gun, so that's yeah, what makes that's me think I that. Yeah, that's why I was
0: like, "What the hell?" Well, I didn't well, now, have those in it yesterday. I put those in there today because I bought those today.
1: But you didn't check to see if the snake was in there before you put the shim in.
0: Well, that's why. That's when I figured out that it was missing. Well, that the oh, other okay, one was missing okay. because I went and took pictures with their with their number, so I could go through and look at them and decide which ones I really want as hold bu- holdbacks, and then which ones are going to be sort of on the table. Um. And, of course, I went to go find number nine, and I was like, number nine's not in here. And then I went, like, I, I don't know, did I find eight? Eight and nine were the two that were missing. They're right next to each other. So, eight's the one that I that was missing the other day that I found the night before last. Right. And then nine is, I, I don't, I guess the thing is I have no idea how long they've been gone. Like, as far as I know, they're all they're all there until I go to feed them or do something and they're not. And then it's like, well, have they been gone for two days? Have they been gone for two hours? You know? Yeah. I'm in my room a lot, but I'm not checking every single rack tub, even though apparently now I have to. And it's, uh,
1: well, at least the, at least that rack, you know? Yeah. 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 Or do what Cox said and take a bunch of deli cups or sterilites and put them in one large gasket rubber made tub with a ton of tiny little air holes and you know make a a cage inside a cage and just you know
0: insurance. I can't figure out what the deal is. Just, this is the same one that I lost the the original rhino out of the same, same tub or the same rack. Same rack. Same rack that the baby alterna got out of. Like okay I so have, I should have tracked this, this thing what... a long time ago. And those no. holes were not big enough for those baby alterna to get out of. Okay
1: so let's let's go this route is it the same exact tub
0: yeah like individual Not, no. tub that the, that they keep getting out of yeah no
1: okay it's, it's different tubs in the same it's, rack
0: it's the lower levels
1: okay so here's my theory there are certain rack systems that are older design where the shelving wasn't necessarily level and what happens is when you slide the tub in normal it's level However, there's a gap that the snake can get out of. When you put a shim or a rolled up or a folded over toilet paper roll or a piece of cardboard in the front, because you, you can't access the back, what happens is it pushes the front so tight that the back opens and makes a gap.
0: And I thought about that and I took the other tubs out, put a shim under it, and then looked to see and felt to see if there was a gap in the back. And there's not with those shims.
1: So you put a shim in the back and the front?
0: No, I just put a shim in the front, oh. but I checked the back to see yeah, if that okay. very effect happened. And well.
1: okay, well, that's good. So, that has got to be the air holes. It's got to be, or the sucker got out before we went to the shim set, which could be the
0: case. But it's they still need be- ventilation, like the little tiny pinholes. They need more Dude, than I, that. I thought I, get...
1: thought I saw those holes. Those holes were at least you know an eighth inch.
0: Let me see. I have my drill bits right here. Let's look.
1: I'll say, go, go grab a tub. You know? So I had one time um, uh, I had, Henry and I were doing venomous at the farm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there was a Hoggins pit viper. Or was that Hoggins? No, I think it was a Stich and it might have been a share. I don't remember. But the Tercer's Tree Viper uh, managed to get stuck halfway, the body halfway, in between the gap in the panes of glass of the vision cage. So we're talking about an eighth inch, okay? Not even, yeah, yeah, yeah about an, a, a, a one-eighth inch gap. It got its head through it's got its neck through and when it got to the fatty mid portion of the body it got stuck and it actually wound up getting all the way out and when we, we found it sitting next to it and it had broken ribs because it got stuck and broke its ribs trying to get out so like i say if the head can get through thank god the room's the escape roof you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't in my house you know um if if the snake's head can get through its body can get through. Now, obviously, you have exceptions, like you look at a blood python. Yeah, a blood python's head can get through, but the body ain't getting through, because the body's five times the size of the head. But a traditional, normal, even-bodied snake, if it can get the head through, I'm convinced it can get the body through. So it wouldn't shock me if that one-eighth bit was a big enough hole.
0: There's no way.
1: Who knows, man? Ah,
0: they don't have the feet on the corners of the tub; they're just flat on the bottom.
1: And you know, Jean makes a, a good idea of putting mosquito net over the holes. You could do that if you, if you're really concerned. I think, I think honestly, I think it probably got out before we put the shim in.
0: That's what I'm thinking too, but it's, it's just let
1: me let me ask you this too: Is the back of the rack, uh, like? One by ones, or is it completely sealed in the back?
0: Completely sealed in the back.
1: Okay, because I've had some rack systems where, in the back, it was one by ones. Right, there wasn't an actual back.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you slid yeah. the
1: tub in crooked, right, a, there was a, a corner would a yeah. corner would open. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, this is a PVC rack, and uh, so <laughs> I have talked to our buddy Sean, and was like, "Can you please make me a gapless hatchling rack?" He's like, I can't do gapless, gapless. I can do pretty close to gapless. I was like, anything at this rate. Just, I need this. I need this rack gone. Like, yeah. It's just, I'm so, so pissed off with this thing, man.
1: Well, I'll tell you, man. The 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 camber rack that he made me is is gapless. It, I mean, for lack of for lack of a better word, it is gapless. And then as the rack has substrate in it and it's settled. And like you know, the, the PVC is like settled into itself with the screws. Mm-hmm. It's it's completely gapless, and like it's it's almost difficult to pull out some of the drawers in the bottom because of the weight of everything. Um, I'm smitten. So if Sean can do that for me, I know he's going to do it for you.
0: But uh, good call on those shims, though. For real, you can get a pack of twelve for I think they were like two eighty eight at Milo's. Oh yeah, I ended up buying two of them for Perfect. five. You know, for six bucks.
1: And that's so. That's twenty four shims for six dollars. Yep. Oh yeah. You have any with you? Show so we can show the. I can the go, front no, folks. I'll go grab one real quick. Yeah. I'll go go grab.
0: See one. if the little bastard's escaping again. Yeah. There
1: you go. Right. See if he's hanging halfway out of a porthole. So these plastic shims, uh, uh, you know, I swear by them. My friends swear by them, and it's, it's not a guaranteed thing. It's a piece of plastic, but they don't lose their shape. Uh, they don't really melt from. Heat so, god forbid, it sits on a piece of the heat tape or what have you. It doesn't like to form necessarily. I'm sure if you left it under a heat lamp, it would melt, you know, it's plastic. But they're basically uh, a very, very thin, almost a uh, quarter of an inch wedge that tapers to a very fine, almost paper thin point. And uh, you can put one in the back, and one in the front for double the action, or you could just slide one in the front. Most of it just slide one in the front, and then I use them as a marker. So if I'm going through a rack of babies or, or even a rack of adults per se, um, and I'm feeding, if one doesn't eat, I'll pull the shim out halfway. So I know that as I'm going through, like, okay, that's that one didn't eat or this one did eat or what have you. Um, if it refused food, I'll turn it sideways so I know to come back in a day or two and try it again. Um, and it still keeps the integrity and prevents the animal from, A, pushing the drawer open or B sliding out the gap. You're slithering out the gap.
0: All right, so these are Timberwolf composite shims. Um, will not warp, swell or crack snap four times easier. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, and they're 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 essentially used for woodworking yeah so this is it, like I said, this it's plastic. it's got some give to it like bend to it and the thinner part, but the thicker part there's there's no give there and um yeah, I mean they' are and you just sh- shove it right under the tub.
1: I'm gonna share the screen real quick. Two
0: dollars and eighty-eight cents for a pack of twelve. And
1: dude, I, I I don't really go to Lowe's. I go to Home Depot just because my Home Depot is nicer than my Lowe's. Um,
0: we don't even have a Home Depot here.
1: Yeah, but I, re- I remember them being more expensive. To be really honest, I thought they were like yeah. 10 well, or, that's 10 or that's what bucks. I was
0: expecting because it took yeah. me a hot minute to find it because we have Lowe's and all the people there uh, like hate you and don't want to answer questions. So right right. Uh, I decided to just... I had nothing else to do, so I was like, I'll just wander around until I find it. And I finally did. And these are the... Timberwolf... They come in like a brick. of Like, like what Phil's passing by right there. Yep. It's that same thing. You have them in bricks of 12. And you just... For next to nothing... These things do... Like, when you wedge these in there under those tubs, man, those tubs ain't going anywhere. So
1: Nowhere. They're going nowhere.
0: Very good call on the wolf's part.
1: Yeah, man. I'm glad. Did you, uh, did I show you those before, or did you see them when I did that sublock video?
0: I saw them when you did the sublock video.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, dude, I swear by those things, man. They're phenomenal. The um, and Speaking of Subox, let me pull up some pictures so I can show off the goods.
0: I'll show the door sweep I got, too.
1: Yes, please do. You have the video handy? Handy? No. Okay. I was going to say, I don't have the... Uh, uh, I don't have the Instagram thing up. So...
0: So I got, like, this dumb, as-seen-on-TV kind of thing, but it actually works pretty well. Uh, let's see. It's pretty much this. It's just the, the foam, two, uh, foam like, rods that go into this little sleeve here, and then they go on both sides of the door itself. So it's a pretty decent seal. It's nothing crazy, but... Um, it's at least going to keep things in the room for an extra amount of time. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I yeah. like that because that padding, I find that if the if snake nose bumps it, it's going to get that weird spongy resistance and just try, try and move on to the next spot. You know what I mean?
0: I don't know. I it's just, not going to per se. It's better than. It. It's it's a much better seal than before. Uh, unfortunately, like the doors in my house have a have a really, what I consider a big gap under them. So this uh, this clears that up. Nice. So D- I feel prepared, D- and now if I can just if I can catch all of them. I should be good to go, and they'll be contained.
1: Yeah, 100%. So that is the female.
0: God, Dom. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. What a burn. That's the Facebook cover now.
1: Yep, and you beat me to it. Share it. I'm I'm trying to transfer it over. So here we'll look at Subbox real quick. That's the female, and that's the male.
0: Dude, that male kills me, man. Like that faded, those faded saddles, and like the washed out sort of stone washedness of it. Like I've never yeah. seen a subox like that. Honestly, it's it's that thing's killer.
1: And dude, like these pictures just don't do it justice. But like the contrast. Between the, I'll call it orange because here it's kind of like a burnt orange, but like in the sun, it is freaking orange. The contrast between the black and the orange is just Sharpie marker difference.
0: Yeah, that you know? thing's just. It almost looks well, like that, from a distance it looks purple.
1: Yeah, I can see that, but I just I'll be honest, i be honest—I think the female looks better overall. Um, but they're actually—they're—they're they're not clutch mates. They're actually born a month apart from two different clutches, but I think the parent animals are the same, like, same field spot that they found. Mm -hmm. So, I'm stoked, man. I'm very, very excited. Now, our good friend Dominique.
0: Dom is so fast on the draw with these things, it's kind of scary. But yeah. I feel like she almost has these pre-made and she's just holds on to them and and waits until the right moment to drop them.
1: She does. She definitely does. How to lose a snake in Perfect. 10 days. I love it.
0: It's um, great. It's my new Facebook cover. <laughs> Get her, her
1: says Dom's doing the Lord's work. I I told
0: Dom if she if she had a good one and I, it made me chuckle or cringe enough. Then I'd use it as my uh, cover photo. So
1: I love it. It's great, fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. It's to fantastic. the point now to where it's like I don't even want to text you guys and be like, "Yeah, there's another one gone." Like, it's so bad. why am this. This this is why I'm not keeping venomous. This is a good thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, probably. I don't know. I feel like if it was Venomous, you'd be way more cautious than I you are be. with a, a harmless snake that I'm happens to... to be native to your neighborhood.
0: I'm starting to think I'm cursed.
1: You're not cursed. You just never had shims before. It
0: started with, with Burwell and that rhino. I think he cursed me for eternity. He didn't curse you. Come on. What? I don't know where the cat is. I think he did. I think he cursed me.
1: Well, we produced animals this year, so you can't be that cursed. How's the bear's clutch?
0: Driving me crazy. Still need to, uh, I'm, I'm waiting on them to hatch. It's day 60... 68? He
2: does have a shitty rack, Ryan Cox.
0: It wasn't the chain king.
2: Facts on facts.
0: Wait, what chain king? I don't remember. I think it was a little baby one that I had.
1: You had but a chain king. What'd
0: yeah. you do with the chain king? I let it go.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> There's a look of disdain on his face.
0: Yeah. Baby colubrids. Nah. No, I haven't, Dom. Thank you.
2: I want to know. Did you did you Photoshop him again? Did you, yes. you Photoshop the?
0: Game? I got Photoshop a lot.
1: Look, Dominique, just send me them all f- to text message, and I will post them all right now excellent yes good good
0: good good oh yeah that one that had (laughs) nothing to do with it that adult eastern
1: what's funny is like you think eastern I go straight to diamondback i don't know why does anybody even call them chain kings anymore i mean i call them
0: i mean yeah but it's not is that because i'm old yeah
2: you lost gray bands from that rack
0: yeah i know
1: it's cause he didn't have the shims, Katie.
2: You know what? I what? Ha- I hatched all of those babies while he was gone in Texas. I know. I Good for you. Them, and I didn't lose a single one.
1: That's awesome. It's because That's they were awesome.
0: t- out of the egg and they were exhausted. They weren't trying to find. They a way
2: were out. flapping ah. around all over the place, man. Don't even. Yep. And I shoved cereal boxes under them, and they were great shims.
0: Thank you, Cox. <laughs> forever and eternity so. it's probably because we went through some sort of like indian burial ground when we were in texas maybe that's it i doubt that maybe we picked remember that rock that was shaped like australia maybe that one was cursed oh my God.
1: maybe it was did, did burke keep that one i don't know i hope he did
0: it was like i hope he did it's exactly like australia dude it was great it was great
2: All right, well, make sure you show me those edits because I definitely want to see those, but I'm going to go in and eat some ice cream. You just Facebook message. me. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. They're here. They're here. They're here. here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. See, this was my personal.
0: You're all welcome in advance.
1: This is my personal favorite. First of all, because I just love Mean Girls. And second of all, because she made this banner specifically to fit the Facebook banner. Yep. Uh. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so fetch. So fetch.
2: Stop drinking. That's a great fetch movie. <laughs> that
1: one's good too. You're
0: laughing at me. <laughs>
1: and thank you to for Dominique for using the original it.
0: Oh
2: man. These are just... Oh, my God. That That's a good hysterical. one. I like that one.
0: Finding...
1: This one. When you when you look at this one on your phone, it looks like he's pouring sand into your hand. Like, yeah. you don't even see the lizard. It's great. It's awesome.
0: That's I me with it. Indiana Jones for the audio version when Indiana Jones is swapping out the bag of sand for the, the rock thing in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm in front of him, holding a horn lizard in my neon vest. Yes, that's me putting up the flag at Hiro. That's not Hiroshima. That's um. Uh,
1: no, uh, it's uh, Iwo Jima. Yeah, Iwo Jima. Iwo
0: Jima.
2: That, that's me. Oh my god!
0: There with the uh, with that same horn lizard. The he Marines. So the Marines. <clears throat> <laughs> uh i don't even remember i don't know what the name of this painting is but
1: <clears throat> um i want to say really
2: sexy this is shirt.
1: this is not a this is not monet
2: i
0: cracked myself up <laughs> i That's can't actually, remember
2: you cracked me up oh, so happy God. these are these I are could so be such
0: entertainment for everybody
2: is the one getting roasted?
0: Because I'm the one that's constantly losing snakes and I deserve it.
2: No. It's <laughs> like Your family know.
0: roasts
2: you. Uh, you know, I roast you. When I
0: snap and commit murder no one will be surprised why.
1: It's a, a Sunday oh. afternoon. Oh. That's what it's called. Sunday afternoon.
2: I'm looking at lizards and stuff.
0: Last Supper, that was a good one.
1: I don't know if I like it because it's not, it doesn't match the photo. It's clearly a cut and paste slap. (laughs) Right, but I'm saying I don't know if I like it because it's a cut and paste or if it's bad because, like, I love that it's cut and paste, but I feel like it would be amazing if it was like the same,
0: you know? Nice.
2: Yeah,
1: it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: Excellent.
0: You so
1: much. Oh wait, I forgot the best one. I forgot the best one. Oh, Stand wait, by. More. But wait, there's more.
0: I don't think this was the best one. If it, I don't even remember which one it is. Oh yeah, forest. Yep. <laughs> yep.
2: Life is like a box of lizards.
0: You never know which one's going to escape your rack.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that happened. I appreciate that so much. Maybe I'll get one from Dom and hang it on our little photo collage wall I've got going on in the hallway now.
1: That's good. You should.
2: So many options.
1: Do all of them. Do those little, little tiny ones that they make like magnets of the wall, you know? Yes. Do all of
2: them.
1: The tiles. T- tiles, that's what I it
2: is, tiles. That. I should do that. Oh, that's excellent. All right, well, I've had my fun. All right, I glad. Love
0: you. I love you. Oh my God, go <laughs> so we can finish the show, you <laughs> oh,
1: uh, Girls will be girls. Mm. So this cigar actually picked up pretty nicely. I got to it's the honestly the halfway point it, it burned pretty quick, it got pretty hot pretty quick, but now it's a medium with just enough spice to keep me interested. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it's not uncommon for you to find cigars mostly it's usually the opposite where it starts out with that first like Half inch is just a real powerhouse and just tons of flavor, and then it kind of mellows out as you go. But there's some that definitely start out a little, little watered down, and then pick up. Yeah,
1: I mean, watered down is being nice. I would say it was downright mundane. Um, but I could see if you're a Connecticut smoker, um, I could see how that would be a good transition, perhaps into something more habano, perhaps. So. I probably won't buy another one, but I'm not disappointed that I tried it, if that makes sense. The band did not come off nicely.
0: I hate that, especially on like Cameroon wrappers. So your Fuente Hemingway yeah. series and stuff. If that glue is on there good to that band, you're you're taking some of that wrapper leaf with you and those Cameroon wrappers yeah. are so <laughs> delicate that Yeah. You look at them wrong and they crack. You know, it's Have, so frustrating because a lot of my, you know, like the the Don, Reserve uh, Reserva Don Carlos is another Fuente that's a Cameroon wrapper that I really like. But it cracks so easily. Like you almost can't even smoke it fast or, or faster at a faster pace because it will it will crack and, and sort of blow up a little bit. It's really frustrating.
1: Have you tried the Julius Caesar Cameroon?
0: I've had the Maduro and was really not impressed with it. The I'm not a fan of any
1: of really any of the Julius Caesars, but that Cameroon I would buy again. I would. It was you know, the My only concern was, is that it's a big stick. It's like, it's probably a fifty-eight-seven, at least the one the last one I smoked. But as far as their Cameroon goes, it was good.
0: And Brandon Valentine asked, "Are you still getting those beaded? Uh, at the moment, no. Still, like the South Carolina legislation, still up in the air. They, um, I they probably won't make a final decision as far as the legislation goes until either the end of the year or the beginning of next year. So, something's gonna happen. It's just a matter of how, like, what what level of of uh, goofiness is what's going to go through is kind of the where we're at now like how, how extreme are the uh, laws going to be um, so until I until I know I haven't paired the Boyga back up I haven't got the beaded I haven't done anything it's all pretty much on hold at the moment except for the Colubrids that I'm reading you know the non-rearfang stuff the normal normal stuff
1: cool which is good I, I i like it too because even if the legislation doesn't go through let's just say nothing changes you gave the you know epistoglyphs a year off you know
0: yeah i mean that female that female cyania is getting big It's yeah it's like now, one of those is she, where every he, time you pull them out to clean it's like they're 10 percent bigger than they were you know last time you cleaned them oh yeah
1: now, is it me? Or like I didn't know if it was me or if it was maybe the picture's white balance, but that last one you sent to the big female, she looks like she's almost getting lighter, like almost like a mint color.
0: Mm-mm. No? It's probably the Flash. Okay.
1: Because now, do you know how old those animals are, the
0: adults? Uh, the male... He was probably... If I had to guess, a 2018 or 2019 baby. The female, I got her, and the original male that I lost early on, I got them as hatchlings, and that was back in 2018 or in 19 as well. I think 18. So. Okay. I don't know. They they just they grow fast, man. Once they kind of like condors, yeah. like they hit a certain age, and then it's like they just skyrocket in size. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, man.
1: I get it. Awesome stuff.
0: But she's primed and ready, man. It's tempting to not put that mail back to her, but I don't know. Like I said, I'm just kind of playing it by ear. That's just on pause right now, and frankly, I don't have the space to really put any more Cyania babies anyways.
1: No, I get it. Now, who got babies from you that first time? Just Thomas?
0: Thomas got one, Terry got one. No. Thomas got one. Terry got two. Yeah, I got I sent Terry two. That was the only three I had, because the rest of that clutch either didn't make it or just was DOA in the egg late term. So okay, okay. Sent one to Thomas. Sent two to Terry because Terry had some. Uh, I think his male. Cyania maybe had some issues, or maybe his female, some sort of cysty kind of deals going on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I because he helped me out with the rhino and stuff that I lost and whatnot, it was kind of a thank you and a you know, redeem me. Yeah. Right. so. Put me back in your good graces. Not that I was ever not in them. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No, but
1: I get it. You still feel bad
0: to the gods.
1: Yeah. You still Bur- feel bad.
0: St. Burwell.
1: Right. St. Burwell. That's going to be his new name. That's going to be his new name.
0: I don't know. He's a, he's a religious man. He may not, uh, may not may be not, down with that.
1: May not take it too kindly. Did, uh, does he have ruffies? Did he pop them out this year? He did. Thought I he saw He just
0: that. hatched out some Angolans. He's got some running ah, eggs. Yeah. Uh, 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 Cynodon eggs. He's like, he's.
1: Is he coming to Daytona?
0: He's slaying this year. I don't know. I don't know if he is. Man, because if,
1: if that man's got Angolans in Daytona, woo-doggies, it's going to be tough for me not to buy him.
0: Those things are so pretty. Well, he's. I don't think he's going to be selling at Daytona. I think if he goes to Daytona, he'll just be there as a, uh, okay. as a okay. spectator. I got you. So. Yeah, but those pictures he posted, those baby Angolans, man, those things are just... Stunning, like they look velvety yeah
1: yeah yeah man oof oof and they're so variable too you know what i mean just be, even between the patterns and then you know you've got the the more darker stuff the more purpley stuff and you've got the lighter more tan and taupe oh awesome critters man awesome critters it's a shame i'm almost at capacity
0: right now my main priority is just figuring out this rack situation so there is another rack at my dad's house that is a hashling rack um, and the tubs on that are considerably more snug so I'm thinking I'm gonna end up just taking that and bringing that over here and using that for the time being but I want to say there's a there's less like that's a 16 slot rack and this one that I'm in now is like a 24. I think so.
1: Well, what you can do is for the time being, if you're really self-conscious about it, you, if you, if you have enough shims to double up each tub, what you do is you take the fat end of the shim, you take a piece of scotch tape and you know how you roll the scotch tape over itself. So it's Mm double-sided. You put that on the back of it and you place that at the back of the tub pointing at you. Right. And the tape keeps it straight. You slide the tub in, now it's gonna be tight, and then you stick another shim in from the front, and that way you have two shims—you have one coming at you and one going away. And dude, if anything gets out of that, then you know it's the be air able holes.
0: To, I want to be able to get into the tub.
1: <laughs> you can get into the tub, man. Come on, it's not that bad. You can even you can even leave the front shim sticking out, so you have something to grab onto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've done that with a lot of venomous, you know, because I don't want to put my hand near the air holes for whatever reason. So what I'll do is I'll leave about a half an inch to almost an inch of the shim sticking up the front, and I can grab the shim with hemostats, slide it out, put it aside, and then use a hook to open the drawer. So, but yeah, I, I, it's got to be right air now, holes, man.
0: I think right now it's just getting rid of that rack. That's that's sort of priority number one right now. So,
1: Or buy new tubs.
0: I don't even know if that's it, but
1: buy new tubs who knows you know but do you want to get into the topic that we discussed we were going to bring up yeah so uh my girlfriend is obviously new into the herpetoculture field and she's learning what she can and uh, she's not as gung-ho as most of us are but she's really enjoying it and uh she brought up a great concept: is that you know I can I can't speak for Justin, but for myself, when I listen to a lot of these podcasts, when I do these shows with y'all, um, I I forget that I assume that everyone's a veteran, and I forget that there are people that are just getting into this. There are people that are, for lack of a better word, and not in an insulting way, novices. You know, just just learning and getting into it fresh start you know rookies noobs whatever you want to call them and, and that's great because we were all that way at some point in our lives we were all the new guy the new girl the new person whatever so there's a lot of misconceptions um what's so funny
0: all the laughing emojis on that cover photo
1: ah, oh wow spreads like wildfire yeah so there's a lot of misconceptions with keeping snakes and keeping reptiles in general. Um, and I, I wanted to pick the live viewers' brains and pick Justin's brain and let's discuss some of the the fallacies and some of the facts, or some of the misconceptions there might be of keeping snakes and or keeping you know reptiles and amphibians in captivity. You know, I mean, what's one that comes to mind with you, Justin?
0: Uh, heat. People thinking, heat. not even just keeping, but like reptiles in general, that they need to be hot or they need to be warm. It's, right. I, it's it's come a long way now to where people are realizing heat is, is much more dangerous than cooler temperatures. And so things are sort of changing. Um, but I mean, that's why we had heat rocks and stuff back in the day and all that. It's people are under the impression that, you know, we're any species of reptile needs to be hot. Oh, well, that's the big one for me that comes to mind initially. And then a lot of the other ones that I have are like green tree related because that's still a group that has a lot of, a lot of old husbandry myths, I guess is yeah. the word for it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at like the heat rock, for example, like I had a heat rock when I was a kid and my leopard gecko never, ever used it, but I also never had problems. So I could see where people could have legit problems. But thousands of people use that heat rock for a very, very long mm-hmm. time. And I'm sure there were some, you know, I don't want to say house fires, but I'm sure there was some some burns or, or melting of equipment. I'm sure there were some animals that got injured, whether it short-circuited or the animals sat on it too long because they don't exactly have the biggest brain. or uh-huh. it it didn't create the thermal gradient that people expected, you know, who knows? And I'm sure there were people that used a heat rock and a heat lamp in conjunction, which probably made the cage like a convection oven, you know? Um, But I also don't want to poo poo things of the past that worked out for a lot of people like heat mats and heat pads. Um, I myself on like my quarantine rack, like I use zoomed heat mats, And here's the thing, though. If I have an enclosure that's the size of a 20-gallon, let's say I have a tub, right? I have a quarantine tub that's the size of like a 20-gallon tank. I'm not going to use a heat mat for a 20-gallon tank. I'm going to use a heat mat for a 5-gallon tank. I'm going to put that heat mat at one end because a 5-gallon heat mat, in theory, isn't really hot enough to, A, melt or deform the plastic, or B, be too hot that it's going to burn the animal, especially if it's in like like a living room or a common area where the air conditioning is usually cooler. Uh, there's more foot traffic. So there's more airflow doors opening, windows opening, what have you. So there are fallacies out there that aren't as phallic, ph- phallic, <laughs> not <laughs> phallic, aren't, aren't as fake as you'd imagine. Um, but still not optimal. You know what
0: I mean? <laughs> yeah. I ask you the, the heat message Thanks, is, it's kind of a tricky one. Um, Hello, cat. Uh, I know,
1: Ryan Cox, lizards are not easy as snakes.
0: So like the Zoo pet um, PetSmart brands, whatever, of the heat mats, I, I don't use those anymore just because they do get so hot. I opt now for the Ultra Therm pads from Reptile Basics. Uh, right. The reason I opt for, opt for those is because, A, they're cheaper, even with the bigger sizes than what you get at PetSmart. I think the biggest the biggest zoomed brand mat at, at PetSmart is like forty-five bucks. I can get that same size mat from the RBI for half the price and it's a much lower wattage and it doesn't get nearly as hot.
1: Well, now let me ask you this though. As much as I love Reptile Basics and I love the equipment they put out, it is way it has much more attention to detail and craftsmanship than several of the other mainstream brands. But do you put that on a thermostat? No. You just plug it right in the wall. Yep. Okay, cool. Because I know there's a lot of people that get that stuff and they're like, oh, now I got to buy a thermostat. Now I got to regulate it.
0: Ultra therm pads I never had an issue with. Um, And that's one of the reasons I liked them so much is that you could run them without a thermostat and they're not going to get so ungodly hot. You know, they're not going to get 150 degrees. Because some of those Zoomed pads, especially if they're insulated and they're like under a tank where there's not a whole lot of ventilation, those suckers get hot, man. Like, yeah, ridiculously hot. Yeah. Uh, so I use the, the ultra therm pads. I use them for condros and some other stuff. Um, and I just, I prefer those because like I said, they're cheaper. Um, RBI almost always has them in stock, which is nice too. Cause I know they do, they do have a lot of inventory issues a lot of the time, but the ultra therm pads seem to be kind of the exception of that. Um, and like I said, they have a ton of different varieties. You know, you know, there's me and Jake's poor man's rack, which was like the metal baker's racks. Uh like these guys. Right. Over right here. Yep. And I've, got, it. I've of, got them. With that ultra therm pad. They have like a three foot model that fits that rack perfectly. And you know, you can get one of those for I think 24 bucks. And it's literally a three foot by what maybe six inch uh wide mat and it works great. And if I wanted it to be a little warmer than just on the on the rack itself, then I'd take some of this corrugated sign and put right. that that cardboard more or less, but it's plastic. Um, put that under uh, the heat mat on top of that, and then the tub on top of the mat, and that would raise the temperature. I would give it a little extra boost in heat if I needed it. So
1: yeah, I mean, I was actually just going to ask you: Do you put something as a base, like a piece of wood or a piece of PVC, or do you put it straight on the on the metal rack?
0: It depends on the species. It would normally be just on the metal rack because that, I mean, you're still getting that, you know, upper eighties spot. uh, maybe a little warmer. And then if, if for whatever reason I needed something to get that boost, or if that particular section was under one of like the AC vents or something, right. Right. Um, throw that corrugated stuff on, or if it was just one of the bigger tubs with the, the, uh, portals on it, like from Brahms. You know, that's bigger space that would need a little bit of a boost to get more of that, that space heated. So that would get yeah. the corrugated stuff under it.
1: But again, going back to the original topic, uh, reptiles don't necessarily need to be 100 degrees in the entire enclosure. You know, just because you see the bearded dragon on the side of the packaging with a a, a, a Sonoran desert scape in the background, you know, or, or uh, Arches, Arches National Park in the background with a bearded dragon doesn't mean that that's what it wants or that's what it needs. So uh, definitely a good um, uh, fallacy on that one. But And then uh, who brought up the feeding? Johnny Barrett says, you know, feeding frequently. Um, people think that, oh, it's got to eat every week, every, every Thursday. It's got to have a meal. It's got to have a meal. It's got to have a meal there are certain species that have a higher metabolism and they do have to have a, a meal every week or multiple meals a week. But now size plays a factor. Prey item plate plays a factor and it really needs to be catered to the individual species.
0: Yes. So like yeah, for example,
1: that's... Justin, your chondros, what, what's your feeding schedule for the chondros?
0: Feeding schedules for the adults um, is pretty much whenever I f- feel like feeding them or if i can't remember the last time i fed them then they're due. Okay.
1: And as as haphazard as that may sound, it works quite well. Because and you it, have yeah, and longer well, that, and shorter gaps.
0: That's kind of the the issue with it is people can't wrap their head around the fact that something can go that long without eating, but they've they've cut open condors that hadn't eaten in a year and they had more than enough fat storages in them. Like those things, they don't lose weight. Yeah. If they do, there's, there's there's something else going on, like something serious going on, parasites yeah, yeah. or something, you know, cause those things they'll eat. anything. if I fed them every day, they'd eat. So it's yeah. not from them not being hungry. It's just a fact of like, they're not an active snake. So it's incredibly easy to get them fat. Uh, and sort of just like when I was dealing with the crests and stuff too, like once they got to an OB size, the only way you're getting them to lose weight is just flat out starve them for an indefinite period of time. And that's just to me, that's not, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I keep it, keep them infrequent with the adults, Uh, even like my, my juveniles and stuff. Um, You know, when they're younger and they're neonates and stuff, yeah, definitely feed them more often, you know, every other week or whatever, uh, just to kind of get them going on the trajectory. Uh, But once they hit sort of that, Two year mark is usually when I severely cut them back because they just, they, you know, they don't need to be fed that much. Like they're, they're meant, they're literally built to run on nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also think that people have, I mean, speaking of snakes specifically, I think people have an idea of how big a snake is supposed to be at a certain age or a certain time in its life. And I think that goes back to care sheets. You know, we've all got, care sheets from our local pet shop or from private breeders saying, okay, do this, do that, do this, do that. And again, this is a very basic template. It's not a guaranteed thing. But if everyone who got a care sheet for a red-tailed boa that says this red-tailed boa will get six to nine feet long, well, there's a lot of red-tailed boas in the wild that have lived for many, many years and even bred, and they're only like four foot or five foot. So just because it can get a certain size doesn't mean it needs to be a certain size. I mean, Ryan Cox is a perfect example because, you know, he has reticulated pythons that are of substantial size, but not because he fed the crap out of them. You know what I mean? They got 15 feet long, 20 feet long. You know, that's not the case. You know, the ones you see climbing up a tree in Bali, (laughs) they're not 15 foot long, you know.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, the, like, those animals, just like with the huge gators that you see, uh, you know, like, those those mount monster gators that people are catching and, and killing, like, those are the exception. Those are not the rule. You know, just because a gator can get 15 feet doesn't mean that all of them are going to get 15 feet. It's actually right. pretty rare. Right. And that's a very old animal. Yeah. Same with the monster retics they find in the wild, like how those things even evaded being seen by people is is impressive in its own right and uh yeah there's i mean there's a, a lot of people will say and agree that there is a an obesity problem in the hobby with their animals you know yeah. it's, i think that's that's one of the reasons julie lander's book on green trees was such an eye-opener for me because you look at the data of how Big these animals are in the wild, and when you got a decent sample size, you're looking at the average weight and size of these things, and they're not big. Yeah. You know, like if you think green trees are supposed to be 3,000 grams, you're out of your mind. Like in the wild, is it possible? Absolutely. Is that animal going to be ancient? Probably. You know, yeah. but that is not that's not healthy. Like they're, they're 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 meant to be lean animals. They're they're meant to be tree dwelling. You know, they're not meant to sit on branches and crack them in fall. They're meant to be light, you know.
1: Yeah, nimble.
0: And people people see their snake, you know, cruising or, you know, their green tree coddle luring. I've had green trees where I fed them. And literally, they went right back to the perch and started coddle luring again. Like, it means (laughs) nothing. Like I said, you could feed them every day. Like, and people see that. And I think they, newer people see this. Like, I mean, like green, green people, like new people and assume, oh, it's still hungry, it needs more, and so they continue to feed it and feed it feed it, and eventually it's just, it's, it's, that's a very hard thing to, to hit it in reverse and go backwards on, like once they hit that overweight weight it's very hard to get them to lose weight after that
1: yeah I'll I'll also, I'll also touch base on an old adage of the prey item assuming you're talking about rodents, the prey item should be the the width of the snake's head. Well, not always, because it depends on the type of snake and it depends on, you know, the metabolism of that species. For example, I have have Texas indigo that is diesel. I mean, it's only four and a half, maybe five foot max, but it's solid muscle the whole way down, no squish, and that's because I only give him five or maybe four or five large mice a week. I mean, he gets some chicks from time to time and, and some other stuff, but I don't give him a large rat or a medium rat, even though he physically could eat it and would probably love to eat it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that because it's so much food. You know what I mean? It's, and it goes back to that this different species having a higher or lower or, or different metabolism, you know? And we, we talk about certain species like uh tropidolimus, If you feed a tropodilamus, let's say it's large enough to eat a small rat if you feed it a small rat and then the next week feed it another small rat it's going to regurgitate and it's going to get dehydrated and it's going to die because their metabolism is so slow same with emeralds same, same thing with emeralds right that it just it just doesn't work you know it just doesn't work it's not meant to be so
0: yeah and johnny brings up a good point you know when we're keeping them in captivity their need slash natural drive to be hunting and moving is, is mitigated to a degree. I mean, when I walk into my room, you know, a lot of my stuff is cruising, which means they're probably hungry. But once again, I could probably feed them every day and they'd eat. And it's it's a very – obviously, it's a very different gap between captivity and the wild because in the wild, they have no idea when their next meal is going to show up. It's, it's bare bones. Like, I don't I, – I'd be – I, th- I think a lot of adult snakes in captivity doesn't really matter the species. Some it's probably even less, but I'd be surprised uh, if they ate, you know, more than once a month. Yeah. you know, Minus like the egg eaters, like your yellow rat snakes and stuff, which will go right up a tree and and raid a nest, but for the most part, I mean, you think about, like, chondros and stuff, They their life is, I'm going to go up in the tree and sleep during the day, I'm going to come down that tree at night, anchor myself around it, and just wait. And they do that, and they do that until they actually catch something, and I'm sure it's the same with Bittus, you know, Gaboons and Rhinos. Oh, yeah. Sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and finally get a meal, and then it's procreate, and then it's go back to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And, you know, that's yeah, and it's one you of those speak, things.
1: You, you're talking about also a, a species like like the heavier bitters. I mean, we're not talking about you know cornuda and perengia and the smaller species. We're talking about the big, heavy-bodied snakes, puff adders, gaboons, parviocula. Like these animals, they also retain a lot of feces as part of their mass, and it's basically believed that they're using that a, a, as a, as a pivot. To launch a, counterweight. Their, a yeah. counterweight, right? To launch themselves at the prey item. Well, it can't hold on to your poop forever. It's got to come out. It's waste. So when they do poop, it is a massive poop, right? But it may be four months, three months between defecations. Mm-hmm. So now you're giving that animal more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And it's sitting on it because that's its natural you know, way of life, opposed to maybe a smaller meal or a leaner meal, and it's still going to retain that stuff. It's still getting nutrients it needs, but now you're cutting back on the saturated fat, so to speak. There's um, I can't remember if it's the Taipan book or not, but I was reading uh, an excerpt about um, uh, coastal Taipans, and you're talking about a large, fast-moving, high-metabolism snake. And uh, the survey, I guess they followed – A couple snakes just to observe them as much as they could. And it was saying, like, if if a coastal taipan in the sugarcane fields of Queensland ate 10 mice a year, it was living fat and happy. 10 mice. And now we're talking about a snake that could easily eat a large or maybe even a jumbo rat. Yeah. But it's only eating 10 mice a year. You know, there's a
0: back in the Herp Nation radio days there was a great episode with ben rousseau who talked about boas and he if i recall right and i mean it's been a while since i've listened to that episode but he basically fed his boas six months out of the year if that because yeah. you're thinking about if you think about seasonal feeders where food availability is going to be during the wet season and then the dry season it's right you know it's a ghost town uh i mean that's I, I know some people that have done that with condros where they just, they only feed them between a, in a certain window and then they don't feed them the rest of the year. And, you know, that's the way they are. That's the way it happens in the wild. And I mean, granted, yeah. the whole argument of, of, you know, this is what they should be doing because this is what they do in the wild is a little different when we're keeping them in boxes. Um, it just, it's, I I feel much more comfortable now, just even with some of the other stuff, like colubrids and whatnot. It's like, okay, they're not, you know, I haven't fed them in two or three weeks. It's like, I don't freak out about it. Like, they're fine.
1: Right. Right. And uh, Mike Kosicki brings up Eastern Diamondbacks, too. Um, So Eastern Diamondbacks, I think, are a great example of, (laughs) I don't want to say intermittent fasting, but... Obviously, there's going to be peak seasons because it is the southeast United States. The cold weather doesn't get that cold. You know, you get frost and stuff like that in most of the areas where they reside. But um, they're not going to hibernation like a timber or a copperhead um, per se.
0: Now, Um, brumation.
1: Right, right. So you look at um, a baby Easter diamondback that is not eating any rodents at all, really. I mean, it maybe will find a mouse in its travels, and then it gets into its teenage years, and now it's definitively going to try and eat mice and smaller rabbits. But like Eastern Dimebacks in Florida, they're almost exclusively feeding on marsh rabbits and cottontail rabbits. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for those of you who have fed frozen thawed rabbits to large pythons, if you take this big fluffy rabbit and you wet it and soak it down, it's all fur. It's all poof. And you realize that that rabbit is nowhere near as large as it may appear. I mean, we're not talking about jack rabbits or like these big giant 4-H fairgrounds rabbits. We're talking about normal South Florida marsh rabbit that's probably about the same size as a large rat. So you look at a, a diamondback that is as thick as your forearm and five and a half foot long, and it's going to have maybe four of those rabbits a year, maybe five, right? I mean, I, I'm not a rattlesnake expert. I don't know. We've call Derek and ask him. But, again, it goes back to that that I have to get it when when it's there, but at the same time, I'm always in the move. I'm always evading predators. I'm always looking for a mate. So there's constantly that that hustle of life. While it's in captivity, there ain't no hustle. He's just hanging out.
0: Brettles are a good example, too. Like, my adult male, Brettles, I don't... He gets... Ten meals a year, maybe. And he does he hasn't he hasn't lost any serious amount of mass. Like he's the same. Yeah. You give him a medium rat? No, I actually feed him I'll feed him like retired breeders and stuff. Like he he'll get, you know or if I don't have those, two of my larger size adults, you know, I'll feed him two of those and Yeah. He does fine, you know, it's yeah. On the other side of that, though, I mean, there is some stuff like my... So I have two chondros from Luke Myers from his first clutch. He held on to one or two of them, I think. And I saw pictures not that long ago of his and where it's at in size comparison to mine and where they're at. And his is a little bigger, but he's also probably fed his a little more frequently than I fed mine. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, kind of a personal... It's sort of a subjective thing of should I feed it more and try and keep up like have it be a similar size to what the siblings are. If you know people that have the siblings to an animal or something, um, you know, some of the bear die from Daytona last year. They're probably still smaller than what they should be as far as in captivity. If there's a standard, you know. Yeah. yeah. But it's because I just I don't I don't pump my animals, man. I don't.
1: Yeah. Well, now, see, I'm the same way. I don't want to force feed them, not force feed them, excuse me, power feed them. I don't want to power feed them. I don't want to feed them two small rats a week when they should really have a small rat a month. Um, but I'm also encountering now where a lot of my snakes that I got in 2019 and 2020, they're at an age now where myself and some of our friends like Billy and Casey, they tell me, hey, man, that snake's small for its age. You may want to feed it a little more. And, and that is coming from my, what's the word I'm looking for? Forgive me if you guys can hear that plane flying overhead. Hey, hang on a second. So it comes from, you know, I'm feeding certain colubrids as if it was a python and I'm feeding pythons as if it was a colubrid and I have to remind myself, no, 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 this is not how you do this species. It's gotta get them like this. So like, for example, with my fuscus, they're a year and a half old now, maybe probably about a year and a half and they can realistically take a small rat, but I still have them on rat pups because I'm still giving them a wrap up once a week. Mm-hmm. Now I keep the feed charts on them, not because I don't remember to feed them. I feed them once a week. Like that's just, I just know to feed them. I keep the feed charts to see what I'm feeding them so that I know, okay, it's been two months of this prey item size. They are more than big enough to go to the next pre- the next size up. Now it's time to go to the next size up. And, I mean, that just works for me. And I, I'm seeing, you know, uh, uh, who was saying, Brandon was saying, you know, he used to keep uh, very diligent feed notes. Now most of the collection gets food whenever he remembers. If they haven't eaten in a while, maybe twice a month. And and, and that's fantastic. I have to do, I have to start using more feed charts because I'm too lackadaisical and I want to be more i want to have a better regimen
0: i'm better about recording those things when it's something that i plan on selling or parting with at some point if it's oh something yeah that i know isn't going anywhere then i'm horrible about keeping records just you know anything right. unless it's something really outlandish that's very much out of the norm i don't write anything down you know it's yeah just...
1: and billy's on here yelling at me you have to feed your stuff phil
0: <laughs> yeah, but yes, see, the yes. thing is, if you're going to slow grow stuff and you're going to not feed it, I don't want to even say power feed, but feed it on consistently regular intervals <laughs> and like weekly, bi-weekly, whatever, bi-monthly, um, bi-weekly, every two weeks? Bi-weekly would be every um, two weeks, yeah. Yeah. Um, then you're going to be breeding it older, I would think. Like if I'm slow growing yeah. green trees or I'm slow growing birds. Yeah, they may be smaller when, but when they're compared to an animal of the same age that was fed much more. Right. But like you're, you're likely going to be breeding that animal at a slightly smaller size or a considerably smaller size. And that doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. I just think it's, it's one of those things where you can expect a smaller clutch, expect everything to be downsized. You know?
1: Right. Right. Now, just, Bill's talking about he's chiming in saying uh, appropriate proportion. If the animal is appropriately proportioned but smaller than other animals of the same age, does that matter? I don't think it matters. I However, I do notice that, for example, now, a granted, we're talking about different species, but like I look at my jungle that is a year younger than my female Bretels, and they're the same size, and I know that that's because I did not feed her appropriately I did not feed the brettles appropriately in the beginning I was too lean and too small of a prey item but her body weight is flawless her shape is perfect she's just tiny so who knows
0: and my, uh, my female brettles is a good example of that too I mean that snake was a 2017 animal and you've seen her she's yeah four feet <laughs> and about that big around like yeah yeah she's not even anywhere near the male. Right. In terms of size, and yeah. I've been trying to feed her a little more just to kind of catch her up a little bit because I feel like she should be bigger, knowing how much bigger they are than the males, as you know, as females. Right. then um, yeah, just trying to kind of catch her up and get her up to up to speed in a sense, but yeah, also and- not in a hurry. Like you don't want yeah. them to completely wreck their system by constantly throwing food at them. And I feel like that's because they did the study and they found that you know the the a lot of the organs and stuff increase in size when it comes to after you know being fed um and then they kind of shrink back down and so i think that's one of the theories with like the obesity thing is is because they're fed so much those organs never really go back to their normal size like they just everything stays like active and going and right uh, you know i they need a little bit of a cool down to let everything sort of come back to normal
1: yeah. And, and Billy Hunt says there's slow growing and then there's what Phil does. Just because I have a 12 year old ashes and it's only five foot does not mean that I stunted its growth. So, yeah, feeding is definitely uh, 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 an issue that needs to be focused on with beginner keepers. Um, and, and I think going back to the whole care sheet thing. Care sheets are a must, you gotta have it. Because a lot of people, they can't remember everything and it's good to have a reference. Now we have the internet so it makes life a lot easier but what if your phone breaks? You know, What if your computer breaks, whatever. Um, I also think that getting multiple avenues of advice is a big deal. So just because the pet shop said do X, Y, and Z, Ask someone who also keeps the same species, or maybe go to another go to another pet you shop. You mean do research? Do
0: research, thank you. Are you out of your mind?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and for God's sakes, don't put bricks and textbooks on top of screen lids.
0: My don't honor. do that. What about the corners?
1: No. And and if you're going to get cage clips, which I like cage clips, I think they work great. Make sure they're not bent and all wonky so that they don't work. So, Yeah. and, And just what we were speaking about, Billy Hunt chimes in. I have found myself with slower growing colubrids because I'm programmed to feed everything like a python. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not dogging Billy, but providing the metabolism is acknowledged Right, so like Billy knows the species that he's keeping colubrid wise is fine being fed like a python. He may want to augment that from time to time, but by no means are are, is Billy's animals you know not up to par. It's just he's so used to doing the python world now. He's expanding into colubrids. He's got to change up his routine a little bit. Same as myself.
0: Well, here's another sort of aspect of that, and I'm gonna be that guy and harp on it again. Let's do it. The The efficiency of that meal that you're feeding it, cutting the cutting of the mice. Like, yeah, you're feeding less, but because they're getting more out of that meal, it yeah. makes up for that, that gap, I think. Right. Like those baby corns, I've been cutting those pinkies that they've been eating. There is no sign of that they ate within 48 hours. Really? Like that lump is gone.
1: Interesting.
0: You know, and I, I do that for everything. I mean, I've, I've talked about it a ton, I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing me talk about it. But No, but it's it's a good it reminder, man, because I forget. It takes 2 seconds to do. I Three forget, cut man. On the stuff like the green trees that wraps it really hard, if you want to avoid guts going everywhere and turn it turning into like a flesh grenade, I cut <laughs> towards the at the base of the tail. I cut yeah. the, I make the cuts closer together, and that's yeah. just some way for that those juices to get in there and and pull more, I think for I, I you know, it's all anecdotal. <laughs> But for me, I think with gravid females or females that you're trying to breed, you're helping them out a lot by doing that because they're getting more of what they need and they're not – the whole basis of it, if anybody's unfamiliar with it, which if they've listened to the show for any extended period of time, they shouldn't be, uh, is if you cut your mice, like you cut the skin – um, there was a paper that was put out a couple of years ago. It was a very small sample size of corn snakes. Uh, the paper is no longer around. I somehow managed to like save it on my computer. Um, but basically cutting the mice, like making three to four cuts along the back of the mouse with a razor blade or something. Uh, helps the the digestive juices get through the skin, which is sort of the biggest hurdle when when it comes to food for snakes is that that outer that breaking down that skin to get to the stuff inside. That that's what matters.
2: Yeah. And so
0: by cutting these mice, uh, I've noticed that it makes like time that they're digesting seems to go by a lot faster. They're not spending as much time just trying to work their way through it. Um. I think they're getting way more nutrient from it. Like they're getting. Getting to the the good stuff they need faster, uh, and I think it just it's it's a more efficient way of getting them getting more out of each meal, you know. And like I said, it's such an easy thing to do; it takes very little time. At some point, I want to recreate that experiment when I have a better number of animals to do it with. Um, I think there's something to it. Whether there is or isn't, like I said, it it takes only a few seconds to make the cuts, so it's not like you're going out of your way to. Uh, you know, make it happen,
1: right? Um, and I have uh, I have an uh, an exacto knife that I keep clean and dry, so there's no rust. You know, because let's face it, blood is very, very uh, oxidizes very well, and I don't want rust going in the prey on them, But I don't do three cuts; I just do one good cut along the side of the spine, and that way, like the- parallel. Yeah, parallel with the spine. Yeah. I don't cut the spine. And I've spine. done that
0: too. Yeah. Um, I just find it less messy to do them perpendicular to the spine. Right. And I don't
1: have stuff doing like Justin says, the flesh grenade. Um most of the time I just leave the prey item in there and the snake just eats it. Um but I have that one exacto blade, and but I again I get forgetful. You know, I got a sink full of frozen mm-hmm. thawed, and you know, it's gonna sit there. And I remember every couple of weeks to do it, and it, it I'm I'm trying it, it's working, it's making a difference. You know, and, and Billy, we were just talking about, you know, his, his changing the mindset of the feeding, you know, he's, he's feeding his Spilotes and his Pacillinotus more often. And I think that's good for two reasons. One, because you're, you're catering to the metabolism of the type of the species. But at the same time, like I think about those Pacillinotus and those things are so crazy to watch eating that not only are you, you know, you're getting the animal on the right track, but you get to enjoy like why we keep it, you know what I mean? Like just the fascination of it. And like, it, it's so cool. I like, go over Billy's house he's like, dude, let's feed Pacilla I'm like, yeah. And like the thing is freaking out trying, like it, it. it's just doing what it does. You know, it thinks the, it thinks the frozen thorn hopper is alive. So it's doing backflips trying to subdue this prey item. It's, it's amazing. It's fun. It's why we do it, you know?
0: Uh, bill said for the cutting is there any thought to the struggle that the predator and prey uh, would experience naturally the prey item should sustain injury the prey item should sustain some injury in the struggle maybe you're just simulating that to a degree maybe um i think this is just sort of a very exaggerated version of that Um, well then you look at certain
1: species like crotalids so crotalids don't fight their prey you know, they they kill it, They're, they 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 envenomate it, let it run away, let it die on its own, and then track it back down and consume it. So, I think that idea is is is, is relative, but I think it's it's also species specific too. You know, because I, I imagine that I, I don't think I I don't think I've ever done cutting with the rattlesnakes. I don't think I did. I do it for the colubrids and stuff. But yeah, I, but. but that, yeah, it's still a great concept.
0: Well, even when you're talking about really tiny species, uh, you know, be it Antaresia, baby chondros, yeah. uh, the cyania, or really any of the boiga, um, I think giving them that leg up and helping them get to that stuff to, you know, that gives them that boost in growth and stuff really helps a lot too. And, you know, it, chondros in, in particular, you know, with prolapse being such a common thing and no one really knowing exactly what the deal is and why it's there or why it happens. um, I think that the cutting in the mice might help with that because I think it's the skin is a already kind of broken down a little more, making it a little easier for them to digest. But, uh, you know, they're obviously getting more of the nutrients and stuff and, and maybe the, the micro molecules or molecules, in general uh, that they may even need in their gut to pass these kinds of things, the salts and the, you know, whatever, and vitamins and minerals. Um, right. I'm I'm rambling, but. No, no, yeah, I, I get what you're I saying. Think it's, I think it's, for small species like that, because yeah. it also helps you get them up to, up to size a little more to be able to sure. eat these things easier. Yeah. You know, especially in you look at how small those things are. I mean, A, right, getting it? started is a pain, but if you can get them eating mice and then a way to get them, a little bigger. So it's not as much of a struggle and it's not as hard on them. I think you're going right. to have better success.
1: It's, it's this it's the same reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the same reason why we give infant humans baby food
0: or baby puree.
1: You know, you can't just give an infant a cheeseburger, even if it had teeth, it's, it's not designed to consume that just yet. You know, um, Bill brings up a good point though, going back to the little rattlesnake thing. Is that something I didn't even consider is, you know, the venom in theory does start the process opposed, you know, it's cutting from the inside, so to speak. But I also think too, just to play devil's advocate, you know, the, the epidermis is the toughest organ in the body, right? It's got to fight through that. So even though it is starting a digestive process from the inside via the injection of the venom, I think the, the stomach acids and digestive juices still have to eat through that, that fur and that skin and that mesentery, you know what I mean?
0: Right, but with those, you're, you're it's from the inside and coming in from the outside.
1: True, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Bill. Great point. And Ryan Cox says that he likes to use kitchen shears. You know, he cuts the nape ab- and above the pelvis, and that seems to work well for him. Um, I imagine that would also help with, uh, you know, not having it, you know, separate or mm-hmm. pop, if you will. <laughs> You
0: know? Yeah, I don't cut terribly deep. I cut enough through that, you know, initial couple layers, and I want to do the experiment. I just need to have enough animals to do it with, where I can. Like, I'd like to try it with different species, multiple clutches, uh, and that would require me to like retain an entire clutch for an extended period of time, which I guess isn't that big of a deal. But like I said, yeah. I kind of have to have stuff to do it with first,
1: right? Um, going back to uh, beginner novice stuff, one thing that really, one thing that really chaps my ass, really really chaps my ash is um, people that pet their lizards, and the lizard closes its eyes and does this and looks like it's,, mm, I like being pet. No, it doesn't like Don't being pet. Me. It is terrified. It is stressed out and it is basically submitting to you because it's afraid that it's going to get killed. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, giant rhino iguanas that like their jowls scratched. Yeah, that you can tell that. that I like my
0: jowls scratched.
1: Right. Or like big tegus, big male tegus that like fat jowls and they could scratch it. And it's the same reason why your cat and your dog likes to be scratched in certain places that it can't reach, you know? But your beard dragon, your frilled dragon, your leopard gecko, when you pet them on the top of the head and they close their eyes and they do this, they go, that means that it's stressed out and not enjoying it. Right, exactly. So just because it's cute and you saw it on TikTok, don't rub the top of your beard dragon's head, especially if they have what's referred to as the third eye, that sensory piece right on top of the head like iguanas have, and a lot of agamads have. That's a sensory overload. It, it's 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 basically you're you're overstimulating them. You're petting third eye. You're you're petting his third eye. You're overstimulating it and stressing it out because it's afraid it's going to get killed. Meat. So don't don't do that.
0: You know what really grinds my gears? What really grinds your gears? People who get their kids bearded dragons in in the in lieu of a toy or doll, and so they yes. just prance around and carry it and yes like it's a living thing still. It's not it's not a GI Joe, it ain't a Barbie. Like I understand your kid enjoys it, but it's going out and taking it out to the the treehouse or something and you know wonder why it dies early and it's like is it really a mystery?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I will bring up for for novice keepers is if you're going to use sand as a substrate what's bill writing
0: he said you mean don't treat prey ahead lizards like the bird foot that would likely end their life in the wild
1: (laughs) yes yes um so if you're keeping a reptile on sand providing it's a species that is arid or desert and would normally live on sand um, or a calcium sand of some sort I'm not talking about eating it and becoming impacted. I'm not talking about any of that. If you're keeping it on sand, just because you remove waste with a sand sifter or like a pooper scooper, like you would a cat box, you need to continuously change that sand. So the rule of thumb is try to do it at least once a month. I know it gets expensive. Um, I know it's it gets heavy too, you know, throwing out a lot of sand, I get it. If you can do it once a month, that's great. If you could do it every other month, even push it to three months if you really have to, I get it. I understand it. We're all humans and buying sand, it's expensive, especially when you're buying treated reptile sand, Um, but you have to change it out because even though you took the clumps of poop and urates out or the bits of cricket parts or the, the leftover lettuce that you're you know, your Euromastix didn't eat, that's all crusty and dried up. Even though you're removing all that waste via the sand sifter or the pooper scooper, the bacteria is still living in the sand. And so many species of reptiles get infections from that bacteria in their nails, in their digits, in their eyes, in the, the corners of their mouth, in their cloaca, in their in their butt.
0: Well, the issue is is that yeah. those bacteria numbers get out of hand because they can't escape them because they're in a confined right. space. Yes. Like they yes. probably experience these things naturally, no problem, but because they can get away from them.
1: Right, right. They not can move to... in a small
0: box with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and believe it or not, there are several species of fungus that can arise much like athletes' foot in a desert or arid environment and you'll see certain like your dragons get it leopard geckos get it where they get almost a rash on their on their pelvis on the inside of their thighs and a lot and of people think
0: back into yeah and,
1: and a lot of that stuff can be cleared up easily um but again if you're doing a sandy substrate or a loomy soil if you will make sure that you're changing it regularly to eliminate the bacteria overload and even if you're doing a half change Let's say you have a, a 30 gallon tank, a 30 breeder for your bearded dragon, and you need 15, 20 pounds of sand. Like, I get that. It adds up and it's a pain, but you, you got to do it. For, for, the, for the sake of the lizard or, or the snake species, keeping the bacteria levels down, you got to change it out. So, uh, Gendra from Puget Sound Python says Do we keep our reptiles too sterile sometimes? Yes, I um, um... Yes and no, you know. Um, I find that, me personally, I find that if I'm keeping something sterile, whether it be on a uh, newspaper or uh, paper towels, everything's fine until stuff gets left in there. So if the soiled paper, if you will, is kept in there for too long, it's no different than the, the bacteria in the sand. If anything, it might even be worse. Because the sand is allowing that to disperse. As the lizard walks through the sand, it's kicking stuff up. It's shuffling stuff around. While it's on paper, it's just sitting in its own uric acid. You know what I mean? Just personal opinion.
0: I, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm kind of there with you. I think it's also, you know, as long as it's not incredibly gross and, and like, the substrate isn't moist. Like, if I use paper towels and one of the rhinos goes to the bathroom, like, if it sits there a couple of days, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, yeah,
1: but if it sits there
0: if three it sits weeks... There is, yes, if it sits there three weeks. Right. Especially, I noticed this yeah. with the cyania, like, because I kept those pretty pretty wet a lot of the time, especially, right. you know, since they're younger and hydration issues, uh, that paper towel would get gross real fast. Oh, yeah. Colors, like shades of orange and pink. yeah uh, and yeah, I'm not going to let them sit in that, but I don't.
1: Now, you look at a species that is highly aquatic or semi-aquatic. For example, uh, you look at cottonmouths, you look at Nerodia. you look at Thamnophis. Thamnophis are, are infamous for, in my personal observation, I don't keep them currently, or I really really haven't really kept them for any long period of time, but I've seen a lot of people where Thamnophis will get uh, water blisters, you know, no, no different than, you know, trench foot in a human because the enclosure, even though they're highly aquatic and they're living half the day in water, they still get to come out and dry off. They still get to come out and slither through sand and dry those pectoral scales. While is in the enclosure, if the substrate's too swampy, they're just sitting in humidity all day long. They're going to get a rash. They're going to get water blisters, and that's going to lead to an infection and lead to bigger and worse issues. So I always tell people that just because the animal is highly aquatic or you know it loves to be in the water, it still knows when to get out and dry off. And if you're denying it that ability because the the substrate's swampy, you're going to have a problem.
0: True ganyosoma are really susceptible to that. Yeah. Your giants and your oxys, those are mm-hmm. uh, those don't don't they'd get those blisters very quickly if you keep them too humid. And so that's why I keep mine on puppy pads. Um, I'd love to keep them on cypress mulch or something, but it would have to be completely dried out. And then I have to make sure that it doesn't get wet just cause like I said, they're, uh, it's pretty well documented that they, they get that, that pretty easily. Uh, I'm actually really surprised with the cyania that I didn't get that as, as humid and wet as I was keeping those. Um, I never had that issue with them at all in the entire time that I was rearing them. Right. So
2: I think there's and, some and species that
0: are just better adapted to that than, than others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, bushmasters are, there was an old theory, and, and it was proven out where bushmasters were dying and they couldn't figure out why in captivity. I mean, and uh, they realized that bushmasters need a high humidity but low moisture. I know that sounds crazy, but you basically need high humidity with dry substrate and what they were getting. is
0: That's a good point. Like that's another part of it where people equate humidity with wet.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And, uh, these Bushmasters would get a a fungus on their on in between the pectoral scales and they call it Bushmaster rot Mm. because they would rot away their stomachs and the animal would eventually, you know, get sepsis or bacterial infection or whatever and die. Um, So it took a long time for captive husbandry to to learn that about the Lachesis genus. Um, But I also, I'm a huge fan of having a bigger basin of water and keeping the cage drier on those highly aquatic species. So like my roommate, he kept an office for a while. He had like four or five different species. And every single one of his enclosures was cypress mulch, but it was bone dry. And then you have a big giant bowl of water and the snakes would live in that water for a few hours a day. They'd eat the fish that they wanted. And then they come out and live under the Cy- the dry cypress mulch, you know, no different than, you know, we go swimming in the pool and then you want to dry out on the beach chair. You know, it's the same concept. So,
0: And that's why I like using oversized water bowls with, with the chondros and pretty much anything else that requires slightly higher humidity yeah. because that, larger surface area a helps increase that that overall humidity and um there's just that's that's a huge misconception i think for newer people is they hear humidity and that they they think that means i have to hose everything down
1: right right
0: to keep it up and keep it you know stay that way because it has to have a constant 80 to 85 percent humidity otherwise it's gonna die it's like most of my condos i don't i don't even really miss them yeah. Granted, I've had some shedding issues as of lately because of it, but um, I usually, I've in the past when I noticed they were going into a shed cycle, I'd missed them, and that that usually helped solve the problem. You know, the couple of days before they actually do it, it helped. Um, and then if I miss it, of course I have a bad shed. So I get it. Just bigger I'm water bottles you know. And ambient. also
1: for for people that are gonna that are getting into keeping venomous, um, let's say you have something like a cottonmouth, right? That's highly aquatic, and a lot of people do get cottonmouths for their first venomous because it is a native species. We do have anti venom is more readily available than others for peace of mind. So a lot of people will have this big giant water bowl. I think, well, man, now now it's a pain because I have to remove the animal every time I want to clean or change that water. So what I would say is, don't fill the water bowl to the to the level of water that you'd want to put only put an inch or two that way if it does evaporate in a day or so or let's say it defecates and you have to use hemostats or you have to use pill strips to remove that that water bowl it's not full of water and it's not extra heavy you know um i can't tell you
0: easier on yourself right
1: exactly that way i don't have to remove the animal i could just remove the water bowl because a it's completely bone dry and who cares i could just use a snake hook to flip it out or it's such a low level of water that if I use pilstroms or grabbers or whatever to take it out, I'm not spilling water everywhere, and/or having too much weight that the bowl is going to slip out. It's going to crack on the floor. Now you got a big mess. Whatever. Um, if you're worried about hard water or having, uh, you know, fluoride and calcium and chloramine in the water because you're using tap water, like I use tap water, those species buy a jug of spring water from the from the grocery store. And just use that or or get a a Brita filter or something. That way you're not worried about, oh, if I let it evaporate, I'm going to have this, you know, hard water minerals in the inside of the bowl. Yeah, you can clean it out, but but still, it's just get a jug of spring water or get a Brita filter or something.
0: You know what I mean? Purified water. Yeah. yeah. Spring water, you're going to have just the same amount of issues, I think, with the water stain. mineral.
1: You think? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, purified. Forget
0: Anything me. but distilled, basically, is what I'm... Yeah, don't get distilled. Distilled is bad
1: news. Yeah, like, even,
0: people shouldn't even be drinking distilled water.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. I've seen a lot of people get sick of that. So, yeah. Any other ones that come to mind? Uh, I, got, I got a good one. If you're using heat lamps or any kind of incandescent bulb, whether it be just for light or for heat or whatever, if you have a top entry enclosure, a sliding screen, a sit, a sit on a top screen, something that's like your traditional fish tank with a screen lid. If you're using some kind of incandescent bulb, don't turn the light off, pick the bulb up and move it. You'll pop the filaments. And you'll, you'll blow that bulb and you'll be like, Oh, what the hell? I just, I just bought this heat bulb. It was, you know, nine ninety five, and it's only, I've only had it a month and it burned out. No, 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 They don't go bad that quick. It's because those filaments in there are scolding hot from electricity. And the minute you picked up that lamp, it went and broke. How'd it go so and broke. So what you got to do is you're going to turn the light off let it cool down for 5-10 minutes, then pick the lamp up and move it. And then that way you'll save that incandescent bulb for longer and longer use.
0: I think another one is people assuming that they have to, if they're buying from Petsmart or something, they have to buy the package with the snake on it because clearly it's aimed for snakes. Yeah. Like and, I I talked about it last week like you can go to PetSmart and you can go to the rodent section and get a giant bale of aspen for 14.99 but if you go two aisles over there's aspen with a milk snake on it and it's like a 25th of the size and it's 9.99. Yeah. Yeah. Same same damn thing. It's but
1: aspen. I will say this um I've told people to buy the snake starter kit from PetSmart or wherever because 80% of the stuff in the kit was cheaper than if they bought it all a la carte. You know what I mean? So if, if they're spending $100 in the kit or they piecemealed all the quote unquote proper stuff, it'd be $140. Bucks. Well, you might as well just buy the kit and not use the AstroTurf. You know what I mean? Or not don't don't use the astroturf. Don't use the, the, the cuddle bone that's in there or whatever they I, put, you I know. Just, I
0: can don't I don't understand how you can sell products aimed at keeping reptiles and it be like include things that are either so outdated and haven't been the norm for a long time or things that are just downright useless.
1: Well, that's because it's the same business model from thirty years ago. But now we have companies like Hagen producing better things for the modern keeper. You are they what I though? mean, I mean, they are. Think about it, dude. Exoterra, dude. think, think about Zoomed. Think about all the cool stuff that Zoomed has what come I'm out. Talking
0: with. about is like they're putting the astroturf in these kits, and it's like, do you guys not like? Are the people that are putting these things out and in control of these things completely oblivious to how you actually keep reptiles?
1: I don't know. I feel like there's two tiers to it. I feel like there's the, 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 the novice entry level tier, which is getting the AstroTurf. And then you look at like the guy that invented solar glow bulbs. And it's like, this dude is a, this person, man, woman, whatever, that invented a light bulb that can not only produce heat, but also produce UVs A and B beyond 18 inches in distance. And that's why they're $50, $60 a bulb. It's because it's breathtakingly amazing. And like some of the stuff that Scott was talking about, like these new new LEDs that produce UVB, well, they're going to be $400. Why? Because they don't lose their – they don't lose their juice. You're not having to
0: pay for 50 of them.
1: Right, right. You don't have to lose their juice every six to eight months. The thing lasts 10 years because it's LEDs. So the company wants to get their money out of it. You know what I mean? If they're losing you buying that bulb every six months, they're gonna make the money on that LED system, which in okay. my opinion is worth it.
0: Those those kits that you can get, you know, like the Exoterra, the tanks themselves, those are cool. I like those. Those were yeah. a very big deal. And they've been great. It's the kits that I kinda have the issue with. Like I feel like I'm of the opinion that they're preying on the ignorant.
2: Yes um, and no though. But because, well like, that's like,
0: what I'm getting at is it's okay. The buyer, it, well, it's 50 50. Half of it is the buyer should have done their research to figure out what's the, the, they should have done some some Googling to figure out what is the proper way to do things and what, how are things done now.
1: Uh, I the think other that happened did. in 2020. I think from 2019 to now, you've noticed a significant uh, advancement of the standard reptile kit. Like, for example, ExoTerra put out that uh, Crested Gecko kit. They had, like, two or three different versions of the same kit. It was a tall ExoTerra, I think, like, 18 by 12 by 12, double double doors. It had the foam background with, like, the tiki guy head. It had the magnetic cups for feeding. You know, it came with a, a ground-up Coco Huska substrate. And, like, that's a good kit. You know what I'm saying? But then again, you also have companies like ZoomEd that is, like we just talked about, that still have friggin' AstroTurf.
0: Yeah, and so it's it's a halfway, it's a it's a fifty fifty thing where I, I, those kits, I think, are aimed at impulse buyers. I think that's Maybe. a fair that's a fair assessment. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff in PetSmart and those chain stores is is geared at the impulse buyer. Um, yeah.
1: But I also don't want the listeners of this to think that all those kits are bad because you look at a company like, like for example, Underground. Underground's retail store sells kits. Uh, not only do you get a uh, a discount on the animal when you buy the kit with the animal, but it's not a kit from Zoomed or from ExoTerra or from Zilla. It's a kit they put together to cater to that species. So, like, there's a baby colubrid kit. You know, king snake, corn snake, you know, baby rat snake. It's put whatever. together
0: by you guys.
1: It's put together by underground. So they get a See, twenty
0: that's, that's different because right. they're they're catering it more right. to the actual species instead of a whole like, yes. hey, this is a snake kit.
1: Yeah, now don't get me wrong, in that kit is UVB and heat lamp because it's a twenty long. And they put the UVB in there because they say, Hey, even if the snake doesn't use it, it's potentially still beneficial and it illuminates the cage and it looks nice. You know what I'm saying? So granted, does that person still have to pay the forty dollars for that, you know, fixture and bulb? Probably not. But it's part of the kit and it's part of the whole system of it and whatever. But they do have, they have like a kit for Pac Man frogs. They have a kit for baby tortoises. They have a kit for baby ball python. Like, that's just what they do. And, you know, you say Scott's name and magically he He appears. I love it. I love it.
0: Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice.
1: (sighs) Yes, Scott. Taipan kits for kids. I love
0: it. Free Slim Jims with every purchase.
1: Yeah, it comes with an ace bandage and a bottle of Advil. (laughs) Some Benadryl. Yeah, right? Yeah. Very own. Syringe of epinephrine, but yeah, I I see what you're saying. The the kits are catered to a particular clientele that in theory doesn't know any better, and that's that's relying on the box store pet shop person not knowing anything either. You know what I mean? You know the 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 person at, at pet at at the the chain store who still thinks you have to put the ball python in a cardboard box to, to get it to eat. You know.
0: Bill said, isn't the Venomous Kid just a webcam and a YouTube account?
1: (laughs) Ooh, burn, burn, burn.
0: Ah, Let me show you how to get rich in four steps. (laughs) One, create a YouTube channel. Two, buy a Venomous snake of any kind. The bigger, the better. Three, turn the camera on. Four, hold the cobra or other venomous animal in your hands and rake in the dough.
1: I should make an OnlyFans that's me attempting to freehandle deadly animals, and I just never actually hold them. (laughs) So this week, I'm going to do this, and then people buy in, and then I just don't do
0: it. "Uh, Sorry, guys, I forgot.
1: Dude, if it works for like a month, who cares?
0: (laughs) I mean, should we talk about like the Crockfest thing?
1: Uh, yeah, if you want to, because I, all right, so before you tell anything, I did not, I did not watch anything with this croc fest. However, I have friends that work in the zoo field who, who used to work for the St. Augustine alligator farm, and they were part of the founders of all the croc fest stuff. And from what I gather, none of them had anything to do with this one. So enlighten me what happened.
0: So basically Crockfest is doing its usual Crockfest. Well, elaborate thing. as to what Fest is. I, it's it's a fundraising event. Right. Um, so they have I don't know have if have it's a, the same beneficiaries year to year or if it, it's, it's not. Different. They change it. Okay. So yeah, this so, year it was like Gariel. Uh, yeah.
1: They usually it's it's basically you go, you eat some food, you drink some drinks, you you hobnob, you schmooze, and you know, they raise money for conservation but it's usually some kind of crocodilian based thing. That's it. Let me
0: see. And So this year it was kind of controversial because they had uh, certain YouTubers that shall not be named uh, listed as they, they kind of made them. I'm trying to find the flyer right now, see what the exact wording was. Um First of all they raised $107,000 which is awesome. Uh it sounds like they had a good turnout which is also that's cool. Uh where are you? Here we go. Uh Come on. Come on. Pull up the the YouTube or not YouTube, the Facebooks. So they, they had this event, which is historically from what I gather, been a pretty straight and narrow kind of thing. Very professional. It's sort of one of like the, the highlights as far as crocodilians and the, the, sort of zoo field goes. It's a pretty big event. Uh, And they had some guests that were, as I said before, unnamed YouTubers uh, that have the uh, hobby pretty divided. And there was more than a handful of people who were very disappointed that they had sort of highlighted, like they had made sort of the event kind of a thing where It was like hey come meet these people you know they're famous yada yada yada
1: well Um, real quick were those quote unquote famous people uh heavy monetary contributors and did they raise more money because of them
0: well that's kind of the that's sort of the 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 issue or the debate is are we like can't should we be setting aside our distaste and uh, unappreciation for the or dis no the non appreciation for these individuals in such a professional sort of event? Okay. Um, while I can understand why they would do that, I mean that is like I get the the whole money making draw aspect of it. I was kind Of disappointed because to me it seems like it's kind of stooping, it's it's I don't know how to describe it, but. it's
1: tough because you don't want them to get money that way. But they made a lot of money,
0: yeah. And whether they had any like them being there had any sort of bearing on whether they would have made 107,000 versus you know 20,000, who's to say? I mean, we don't who knows? Um. But, let me... I have a flyer here now. Uh, Yeah, so they had Meet Celebrities, you know, Free Handler 1, Free Handler 2, and then a bunch of other people like Ty Park, and um, people from like Zoo Miami, and St. Augustine Alligator Farm, and... uh, Gary Ecology Project, University of Florida. So it's kind of odd to have those individuals uh, there, and I can understand. Like the the it was frustrating to me because to me it's like you're sort of stooping to I don't I, it's selling out. I guess is kind of the way you could say it, not in the traditional sense, just in the fact that like they probably could have done just as well maybe not as well. Like I said, we have no idea if they had any bearing on the actual final numbers and money raised, but um, it just, it seemed like a grab, you know, it seemed like a sort of a a promo move. And I understand that. Like I can, I can get it. I don't agree with it. Um, But the other sort of the, the one issue that I know like Paul McIntyre brought up uh, was just the fact that like now, these individuals are going to be under the impression that like zoos are now willing to work with them and, and are sort of actively promoting them when zoos are typically sort of very anti-hobby and, and things like that. So it's.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's because the keepers are of a younger mindset and to them, those people are a big deal because of social media culture?
0: Yeah, I mean if they're trying to get people that aren't in the hobby on like a serious level or anything, like you know the people that are subscribed to the channel don't keep anything but just they're there for the the NASCAR crash. Um,
1: yeah, but you know, I I'm, I'm thinking of it more like this. So if you're if all of your keepers that were in their 50s and 60s have retired and now you have a new crop of keepers that are very eager to learn and very eager to, you know, work their way into it and they're all at the age of 21 to 30 and to them social media is a major part of their life because that's millennial culture um it makes sense why the zoo field would be so welcoming to that uh social media concept
0: it's completely the, diff- like going against what they're trying
1: yeah, to do but but that's the old mantra though is what i'm saying so if the new mantra is, "Oh yeah, social media is awesome," I mean, every zoo has a social media page now. They have to, you know. what I mean, it's 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 a major contributing factor to their advertising because at the end of the day, as much as it's about saving animals, it's also about making money to keep the zoo going. You know what I mean? It costs money to feed animals and you know employ staff. Yeah, and that stuff.
0: I mean, I understand that, but so I mean, and I, here's just, the thing: they is, they lose they've they they've lost they lose credibility. They've lost credibility with professionals right. in in. Herpetology, herpetoculture, whatever you want to call it. I mean, even Jim at Kentucky Reptile Zoo piped up and said, "You're you're making our job harder." Um, You know, it's disappointing to see this. And Scott brings up a good point: is you know, how many professionals will now not be a part of it moving forward because of that? And maybe that maybe they'll see sort of the the losses and and the you know, not just monetary, but uh, credibility wise, and maybe moving forward won't do that anymore, but I don't know. It's just, it was sad. And then it comes down to the debate of, you know, are you going to not help and donate to conservation of a species because of that? Like, yeah, is that going to be your reason for not? And I'm of the opinion. It's like, if you don't feel like supporting it, Then don't like, yeah, but
1: but look at the, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You know, I'm in, you know, I, I'm, I'm sharing your exact feelings and your exact sentiment and the same as Scott, I I do. I share your opinion, your sentiment, but just to play devil's advocate, if I'm doing a fundraiser and the past 10 years of doing this fundraiser, I've only raised a thousand dollars a year. And then this year I say, oh, well, Justin Smith's going to come and he's going to hobnob and shake hands and kiss babies and all of a sudden i didn't make $1,000 i made $10,000 isn't that better for the animals
0: that's i mean that's the ethical you know crossroads like that's the that's yeah. the moral fence that we're that we're sitting on is right can we put that kind of thing aside to to benefit something it's difficult you know i highly i highly doubt uh you know, like the the NRA is going to have, you know, the kids from Columbine come and do a talk. It's just. Yeah, not,
1: you yeah. Know, you're it's... right. You're right. That's a great analogy. <clears throat> it's a great, great analogy. Now, here's my thing. Maybe I'm old school, but I remember back in the day when you had a benefit. Right. We'll call it a benefit. Um, you would invite the elite, whether that be the best of their field or the wealthiest of their field, you would invite them to a gala, right? Where you're going to basically have an auction to raise money for X, Y, and Z. And ideally you're looking to get sponsorship and grants from these individuals. And we're not talking about, you know, a person who, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone bidding $100 for a $25 book, you know, because it goes to science and conservation. That's right. fantastic. But we're talking about, you know, uh, 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 Grandma X, who's 76 years old, and she's a widow of an oil tycoon who happens to love animals, and she's going to donate $4.6 million to this year's fiscal budget. Like, that's what I'm envisioning from a, a, a banquet of that sort and i can't understand why <sighs> crockfest maybe it's because it's a fest maybe because it is the younger crowd maybe it's because it's made to, to be a party and not like a banquet but i feel like that that uh, that gala is is losing its it's losing its allure these days there i feel like there isn't any galas left to raise money you know what i mean the class is gone the coof is
0: gone. It's 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 almost like quicksand. Sort of the more you fight it, the 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 deeper you sink. And so it's one of those things where it's like you continue on that slow decline, or do you give up some credibility to try and and boost it to make it better than it was the year prior? I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. It's an odd odd thing. I can understand why the, you know, the friends of ours that, that were not happy with it. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from. Um, right. And I mean, I agree with it for the most part, but uh, it's just, I mean, like I said, I'm of the opinion where if, if you want to support something and you know, it's something you've, you support in the past, but now there's something about it that you're not a fan of. I can I get it, you know, like, and don't do it. Yeah. I mean, look, and, the, and then there's sort of the promos like this, which are just kind of goofy. And it's like, am I, am I going to Croc Fest to learn about crocodilians, or am I here to watch monster truck rally racing? You know, just kind of. Yeah. I don't, when you're trying to cater it as like a professional thing. Yeah. You're not doing yourself favors. I don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't go, I didn't donate. Right. Maybe I can't, maybe I have no, no room to talk, but yeah, I understand why people are so frustrated with it. And we'll, I guess we'll see next year if it, if anything changes, you know, but yeah, $107,000 is not chump change. And it's awesome that they raised that, you know, good on them. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. I wish I I wish I had more. I wish I knew more about it to voice a better opinion. I'm and gonna from, have to do my, well, I'm gonna have from to do my research. Was,
0: from what I was told as well, is they were gonna go regardless. Okay. If they were gonna be there regardless sure. of if it got advertised or not. Right. I think maybe the people the, the people putting it on saw an opportunity to sort of help. Loose numbers a little bit, and, you know... Of course. Once again, it's that's... That's your moral fence to sit on.
1: Right. But in the end of the day, the Garials are it, it, hopefully better off than they were yesterday. You know? So.
0: I guess the other side of that coin, too, is, you know, those we've seen them at daytona we still go to daytona
1: yeah but but we don't go to daytona because they're there yeah you know and, and i've said this before i disagree with the practices but i've never i can't hate someone who hasn't done me wrong per se And that's why i do still associate with them to a certain degree um they've always been nice to me but i don't agree with their practices at all and i've made that abundantly clear to them like you and i are now um so but again i wouldn't go somewhere because they were there you know they would not be the reason why i go somewhere you know what i'm saying
0: yeah I just, it's, I, it's I think tough. it's, it's. I think it is affecting everything, even if it's on like a passive level, where it's not actively doing it, but it's right. slowly inching its way towards more legislation and stuff. And yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, we're we're kind of past the point to where it's it's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. You know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Until, unless YouTube all of a sudden says we're not paying YouTubers anymore. Yeah. You know. It's just. Yeah, but yeah, Scott has a good point. It goes further than that. The zoos consult with the state agencies about the suitability of venomous keeping in the hobby. And in, in if the hobby places a fuckwit on a pedestal, then the hobby is tarnished holistically.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they become the poster boys for us, then that's the problem.
0: That's that's my biggest issue. Is like these yeah. are the people representing us. I mean. I don't say they re- they don't represent me cuz I don't do that shit but they are representing the hobby they are unfortunately they are the the image of of the industry and the hobby and that's that's where I have an issue um you know Johnny asked you know would they be the reason you don't go somewhere though and I mean for me yeah like if I, I w- if even if I was going to go to Crockfest if I saw that I probably wouldn't cuz I just I can't get behind it you know I just I'm not I'm not into it. Yeah. I don't think I don't think those individuals should get any more of a platform than they already have. Um, right. And I well, don't want to be in it in any way in support of of that. You know, yeah. there's a reason you don't see him on the podcast. There's a reason you don't see him in the magazine and stuff. It's because I just I I do not want anything to do with with them.
1: No, I get it. And, and Scott makes a great point. Scott says if their actions change the stance and I Phil loses the right to keep venomous, it has affected me. And he's one hundred and ten percent correct. And to be honest, maybe it took all these, all this time until this exact moment of Scott writing that for me to realize it. But he's one hundred percent right. He's one hundred percent right. And and that's how I have to think of it. That's how that's how we have to think of it. You know. And.
0: Uh, I mean, personally, I'd be I'd be pissed if I could no longer keep. Yeah. Anything because of some asshole who put himself right. before anything else and. Right, I, I like this is what I'm, my what, life, man. like, what, what I'm interested
1: is it, is I have I have theories in my mind of certain things, but I've noticed a considerable jump in individuals keeping venomous in Florida, which is peculiar because it has become so difficult to do now that only individuals for the long haul, like Paul, you know, Paul worked his ass off for many years to get where he is with the venomous stuff, and. It it takes a a particular individual as passionate as Paul to achieve that goal. And I've noticed a lot of, you know, I'm I'm 35 now, dare I say, youngsters with venomous licenses in Florida. And I'm wondering where where they got it, where they got the experience, where they got the hours, how they got it. And I'm not the only guy showing people how to play with snakes, but it's a very small circle in our peninsular state. So, I'm eager to know... The
0: output isn't matching the input. Correct. Correct. Who knows? I don't know. I just know if if I lost my ability to do anything with with the animals that I have because of somebody else, I would be furious. I'd be more than furious. You're right. That's my biggest... That's that's the, the biggest thing for me is like... These people... Whether it's, like, directly a result of what they are doing or if it's just, uh, you know, they're they're an amalgamation where they notice, like, YouTubers doing this kind of shit is getting more popular. Like, this is a problem. Uh, Yeah. uh, Just I don't know. I don't know. And, yes,
1: uh, Scott says, you know, they're cooking the books. Yeah, they, they are cooking the books. 110%. But there are certain things that are still needed. Um, for example, a uh, uh, a detailed list of species worked with, with the articulations of what you did, and I mean vividly detailed. Like at four p.m., I know the I, I of- unlocked
0: yeah i'm talking um, about when i can't even keep corn snakes
1: right no i'm I'm just elaborating to scott as to how they cook the books the problem is is, yeah whether you cook the books or not you still need letters of recommendation you still need proof they still the Fish and wildlife vets the person that you were training with to make sure that you really did do what you did so it's it's cooking the books to an extreme level if that happens to be the case um and no they do not accept hours from outside of florida anymore um you'd have to have a very very convincing argument and say like scott for example you did all that you did for the past 30 40 years however long you've been doing it if you moved to florida you'd have to articulately prove that you did you know i had a friend that had a pet shop in pennsylvania for 15 years moved to florida wouldn't give him a venomous license because he didn't earn his hours in florida he couldn't prove to them that he had the "quote unquote" experience, but that's a whole other co- topic for another time. The, the point of this was not to necessarily be a, a downer note towards the end of the show. I'd rather, you know, uh, make it a little more uplifting. But I, I see the point. I do. And yes, uh, Scott is correct. Boiga is venomous, Justin.
0: Yes, I get that. Those yeah, those get lumped in with all that legislation. You know, I, yeah. I understand that. But I'm talking about even when I can't keep my Brettles pythons. No, I don't think it'll ever come to that point, but stranger things have happened. And yeah. I'll also end it on the note of these people could be the nicest guys in the world for all I know. And it doesn't matter. Like I don't, they could be curing children's cancer. And I don't, I, it, uh, if you're doing this stuff, I just, it, it's crap. It's garbage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I get it. Um, Do you get the message I sent you on your phone?
0: to find my phone first
1: trying to think of some other novice tips we could remember but yes yeah all right so another one i was going to bring up just because we're talking about all different stuff tonight um a new company came out now Justin, correct me if i'm wrong but are they Directly affiliated with um, Reptile Basics
0: or now? No. So it's Robin from he was with uh, Shippy Reptiles. Okay. And the Reptile Report. Okay. He was the guy that owned the Reptile Report, and I don't—I'm pretty sure he still does. I just don't think he's as involved with it as he was. So he started this sci- uh company called Redline Science, which is basically like a aquaculture uh, herpeticulture tool company. Um, uh, I got a pair of the, those hemostats there with the finger holes. Oh yeah. I got a pair of 20 inches of those. They're pretty sweet.
1: And they're stainless and
0: black. Well, yeah, they're, they're coated. So they're like, uh anodized. Is that the word? Anodized? Okay. Um, and I got mine through Pangea. So kind of my only gripe right now is like, we see all these pictures of all this stuff he's doing and then you go to the, the retailers for it and they're not available yet. So it's like... You know, putting the cart before the horse kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but I really like mine. I mean, I love it. I'd love to get some more. um, Some of the other stuff. I want to try out some of those egg trays that Matt Most has been posting and using. Right. And that's Um, and that
1: was the thing is I I started looking at. I love these um uh, the spongy mustads these loopy mustads. So I was I found these guys on Instagram haphazardly, um, because I found I saw this thing. This thing here. It's set, great percent. Yeah. And they were basically showing it on Instagram, cleaning the tracks out of yeah. the vision cage. And I messaged them and I was like, Hey, where can I buy this? Because that fit. I said, where can I buy your vision tool? And whoever, who's the gentleman who owns the company? Robin. Robin. So a guy or girl guy. Okay. So, so Robin messages me back saying vision tool. That's a great name. <laughs> we never even thought of doing it like that but that Robin just Markland. seems yeah that just seems like an awesome thing and then i see matt most has all these these nice scraper tool right and who doesn't need a good you know scraper with replaceable blades and i mean are mm-hmm. they are they Delrin blades or is it actual metal
0: i think they're actual metal i don't know nice they're sleeved yeah i don't know they may not be cuz that one in the actual unit itself isn't yeah i don't know Either but, way, like Matt Most posted yeah. those bigger egg trays that that go in those bigger... Yeah, that, that one right there. That go in the bigger delis. I really I want to try those, but I've, I haven't been able to find them yet. Because um, that would also require me to go away from my $7 Systema box. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Which is kind of painful because I've loaded up... Every time I go to Walmart, I end up walking out with one if they have them in stock just to have a, a bank of them.
1: I think it's interesting that... You know, Matt Most was talking about having a a matte colored or a black set of hemostats or a black set of feeding tongs because of the visual appeal of the stainless or the shininess of the stainless. And that's something that, you know, venomous keepers have been dealing with for as long as people have been keeping snakes in boxes, where the rattlesnake or the pit viper or the cobra, it misses the prey item and bites the shiny tongs. And I really want to work with these, especially with the Renkals, because they're so shiny, you know, uh, 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 they key in on that shiny stuff so, so well that a set of matte black hemostats would, it's, in theory, do the job, so to speak. So I'm, I'm really rather impressed with this.
0: Yeah, I got the 20s. I should have got, tw- I meant, I. for some reason, I thought 20s were smaller than they were. So, I mean, I'm not complaining because they come in handy, especially for, like, the adult male green tree that tries to take off my face. And, you know, the male brettles python when he gets kind of food crazy, having something a little more distance between me and the mouse is, is never a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with them. They're made to be much more corrosion resistant than sort of the typical stainless stuff that you get. Um nice they're just uh, like i said i'm i like mine i like not having the locking thing because i do have a pair of hemostats that do lock and they almost always lock when i don't want them to
1: but Uh, see i argue that i prefer the locking but however i also feather it in my hand so that i don't lock it i only lock it when i want it to be
0: locked yeah well i don't really ever have a reason for it to be locked so yeah but i'm anxious to see what other stuff he ends up cranking out um it's cool. I mean, it's 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 good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's very cool, very very cool. I like it.
0: So I'd definitely need, check them out. Need another pair of sets, Like I need a hole in the head, but I just I know. to have been so amped to try them out, man. You know.
1: Yeah, and and Scott, I have tried the heat shrink. Um, I've also tried uh, dipping them in liquid latex, which actually worked really well for. Uh, smaller lapids i could just pick them up real quick and move them and not squish them um but i want i really do want black hemostats that are stainless steel and obviously anodized or powder coated or something and then in theory i could just throw them in the wa- in the dishwasher you know what i mean so but yeah i was rather impressed i want to bring them up and kind of show them off so yep Yeah, and Scott, I, I literally use the exact same thing you do. Uh, I've got—I mean, I keep my M1s in my car because they're the, you know, Cobra got behind the couch tongs, so to speak. But uh, but yeah, 24-inch uh, tweezers and 12-inch hemostats too. So I have I have 24-inch hemostats, which are phenomenally great as long as the prey item isn't too heavy because they don't lock and you lose that grip because they're so long that the hinge point, the pivot point, has to be closer to the tip of the he- yeah, tip of the hemostats. So another thing that I want to see is uh, Henry got me on them or the actual alligator tweezers or alligator tongs. Have you seen them? They hold like hemostat, but they don't open and close like scissors. It's reversed. And the bottom jaw is stationary and only the top moves. And I really like that because I can peel a piece of skin off of a face or I can, you know, grab a piece of decor and move them. So, And no, Scott, I'm not picking up everything with hemostats. It was just for <laughs> baby snakes that are pains the in the worms. ass. Pains in the ass that don't want to ride a hook. So, oh,
0: but, but I don't know. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, I'm sure we're going to think of a million other novice entry-level tips that we can come up with or fallacies we can disprove. Um, but that would be for another show. I thought tonight was good. I thought we covered a lot.
0: Shows brought to you by puget sound pythons check them out on check facebook out. instagram youtube um i don't know what they have available right now i need to go look but uh, regardless you should be checking them out because they're good people awesome so everybody have a good evening uh i don't know if we're going to be doing thp thursday or not I mean, okay we're putting in a sliding glass door and i might need to be around one of those nights this week to help do so um no problem. And so I don't know if that's going to be Thursday or not, but I'll let you know what, what, what we're doing. So.
1: All right. Sounds like a plan. All righty. We'll see you guys soon. Later. Good night.
0: Bye.